Hey guys, welcome back to Cinematics. I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm fucking Polly. And today we are continuing our video game run by talking about a movie that inspired a game instead of the other way around. A pioneer in visual effects. This is Tron. Alright, so Tron, released in 1982, directed by Steven Lisberger, written by Steven Lisberger, and uh, with a story credit going to Bonnie McBird. It had a budget of $17 million. Uh, it opened to $4,761,795, grossed $33 million, and the cumulative worldwide was also $33 million. And it was produced by Disney at a time where they weren't putting out a lot of really top-tier stuff, and this was their sort of big original property for the time that they were trying to branch out from what they were doing and what they had and try something new. And... It apparently didn't work. You know, I, I criticize Disney a lot because I think that they just make the same things over and over again. They remake everything endlessly. But then but then you look at situations like this where they actually went out of their way to try and make something different and it fails horribly in revenue terms, at least opening weekend-wise. Like, that's what, math-wise... It's less than a third of the budget made on opening weekend, which is not super great considering how groundbreaking it was, but it did become kind of a a sensational, I don't want to call it a cult classic per se, but, you know, kind of. I think, uh, yeah, I think eventually it became a cult classic. I, I'd say at the time it was more of a novelty just having all the computer the computer effects and, and stuff like that. I don't know if Short Circuit was made around the same time, but it, I felt either Short Circuit or, which I'm not even sure is a Disney movie, Short Circuit or Tron was either inspired by one or the other, and I just Short no Circuit came there. out in 1986. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the designer... For this movie, one of the concept designers, but the lead designer, also worked on Short Circuit as well. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Because, like, during the live-action sequences, the first thing that popped in my head is I was either thinking of Short Circuit or Gremlins for some reason. Why Gremlins? I don't know. Maybe it was the colors. Maybe it was just, like... I mean, at the same time, it was kind of a lot like E.T. as well. I don't know. I... I had an interesting experience with this franchise because I saw Tron Legacy before I've, I saw this movie. Right. Uh, I watched Tron Legacy when it came out because it looked super cool and I had no idea what Tron was. Mm. And I, I liked Legacy. There was a lot of stuff that didn't make much sense and seemed off and out of place when I watched it. Right. And then I went back and watched this one for this episode, and and then I watched Legacy again while prepping for this episode as well. And that movie makes so much more fucking sense now that I've seen this <laughs> one. <laughs> like not gonna lie, man. This movie kinda confused me. It was kind of it was kind of the same experience as uh as Dune, where there was just so much stuff in there 
that they felt like they were like, I felt like they were trying to explain. And it just, I had a similar experience as I did with Dune. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I did not have as severe of an experience. I think not, it, no, not as severe, but similar. I, I understood it. I, I didn't, I actually, I, I didn't think that it was, it was trying to say or explain a lot. There, there were definitely instances of, of, of expositional dialogue. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, there's in the beginning, Dillinger goes on some info dump rant about uh, what their company does and how great it is or whatever. And then the guy he's telling it to, the scientist who's in his office, is like, oh, I know all that. And I'm like, well, fucking why did you tell us then? Like, <laughs> what was the point in saying all that if the guy's just going to say, oh, I know all that? Like, if, <laughs> if the guy knows it and is going to all he's going to say is, I know, then don't fucking say it. Like, that's not. Yeah. The dialogue got to me. I also think that the overall the story is pretty weak. Yeah, in yeah, the whole for thing, sure. it's it doesn't it try it it acts like it has a lot of stakes. Like there like there's so much you know so much going on, but there there really isn't. You know he he goes in there to get the evidence because he's owed money for having his ideas stolen. Yeah. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow it turns from that to, oh, if we shut down Master Control, then we'll just, it'll just solve all of our problems magically for no reason. And so we're just going to redirect all of our attention to this new problem. Yeah, they had to throw in the Rebels versus the Evil Empire thing into it because Star Wars. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's pretty Star Wars-y. It definitely is. It's definitely trying to grab onto some of that. Now, the thing the thing is, though, is that, like, that's where all the, like, in, intended stakes come from. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no, nope. I don't know about you, but I didn't really give a shit about whether this guy got his plans back. He was kind of douchey. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, I didn't feel like I connected yeah, very I th- much with any of the characters. Yeah, I think I, I get it. Uh, but at the same time... It's just like you're watching a movie about a guy just trying to get paid. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's more to it than that, but it's just, I don't know. But at, at the end of the day, that that's what it's about. And, yeah. and he's using these people or these programs, I guess, to meet his own ends. And the, he happens to be helping people at the same time in a way. And, and then you get to the end of the movie... Just to jump forward the entire length of the movie for a second and go to that last scene, I don't know, but like, if a helicopter flies in and oh the boss is coming and it's like it's like they were trying to trick you into thinking oh it's it's still Dillinger or whatever and then he gets out and it's him and it's like okay so first of all why is he in a helicopter? Second of all, why is he meeting them on a helipad? Thirdly, <laughs> what the fuck yeah. are they doing? And fourthly. Why the fuck did he, why did he just get made the boss? Like, out of nowhere, with no, like, there was no, no reason for it. My other question is how much time had passed, because it almost seemed to me like it was a week later, the next day, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm the boss now. It's like, I think there's a little more to it than that. Well, yeah, I mean, he's gotta, like, get the word out, he's gotta do the lawsuit, he's gotta, there's so many steps involved, and, like, it's so, (laughs) It's so very obviously just like a, 
forced Disney happy ending. Yeah, like oh, everything's better now, and we're gonna we're gonna show you in thirty five seconds how everything <laughs> is better now. And then they lived happily ever after. The end. Fucking basically, and. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know if I just hadn't ever really seen this before or if this movie was just a really bad example of it. But when when Flynn and Yuri, when they're on the, the D-Res uh, ship and he's about to jump oh, is this off. When they, is, is this when they kiss? Yeah. Right, yeah. I was like, it's a computer program. Why would it give a shit about what? It just doesn't make any sense. And... And on top of that, there's been no connection between their characters for the entire yeah. fucking movie. They they yeah. barely shared any words other than a couple. The only reason, the only reason I can find that that makes any sense <laughs> is because she looks like his ex girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. But that's not a good enough fucking reason at all. Yeah, like she doesn't she doesn't come into like three quarters of the way through the movie. Right. And then and then you only see her at like the first fifteen minutes of the movie and then once he once he's inside the program it never cuts away to outside it's it's literally just we have to have the only female character and the male lead kiss because this is a disney movie and it has to happen <laughs> yeah it's like it doesn't <laughs> jeremy jeremy jan said this i don't know if you ever watch his youtube stuff but he was he was talking about this uh this one Disney movie that came out recently, I think it was called Artemis Fowl. Oh, see, okay. Before you say anything about it, because I, I adored those books when I was a kid. The books are just so good. I can imagine. Okay, so now what were you going to say about the show? And is it going to ruin it for me? No, no, nothing's going to ruin it. But basically what he said was, well, we have to throw this, this, and this in here. Because he, he hadn't read the books, right? So he's like, if anybody knows like what's going on and if the books are better, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, we have to have this, this, and this in it because it fits the brand. Or we have to think about the Disney brand, like that kind of stuff. From from a business perspective, that is how you have to do things. Yeah, you have to have absolutely. a brand, but but <sighs> when it affects the entire story and it just things are, it's like I'm gonna throw this in there too. It was like the rise of Skywalker yeah. and fucking Kylo and Ray kissed, and it's like what the fuck? Why? As, as a filmmaker, you need to know the business of it, and as an artist, you need to know how to make money off of it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when when the story and the things that you're doing and the quality of your art is being affected purely by brand and business whatever, it just, it makes me very grumpy. And so that scene made me, <laughs> I wrote a lot of really grumpy words about that that I'm not going to go into, but it just, it made me unhappy. You use the word fuck quite a bit more was, than you usually do. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> so that, yeah, I, my, my first experience with this movie was I was about 13 or 14 when I first saw this and I saw about 15, 20 minutes of it. And I fell asleep and I woke up and the VHS tape was rewinding in the VHS player. It's in the VCR. <laughs> kind of boring. It is. Like, especially, like, I get, trust me, like, we were talking about this earlier. I get the amount of work and effort that they had to put into this entire thing. Yes. But first, it was, for me, it was really hard for me to look at. Like, I was getting a headache while I was watching this. Really? And I didn't even get a headache when I watched Cloverfield. Weird. I, I wonder if it's the, like, the visual effects part of it, or? I th think it is, because it, it just had that jittery, kind of, like, weird 
like quality to it. And then it also just maybe the colors and just the way the animation moved and stuff, like it was really hard to look at. And like for the time, like, trust me, I have a great appreciation for what they did with this movie and how much effort and time and just like all that that they had to put into just getting this made. But compared to what you'd have in like the late eighties or like the early nineties with like Jurassic park and like, like ghostbusters and stuff like that is just, it's really boring to look at. I mean, they did in like, they did do entire environments and I, I get that and I appreciate that, but just compared to how spoiled I am now, <laughs> with movies, it's just, it's like, it's watching, it's like watching a previs of a movie. That's entirely fair. <laughs> I, I would say, I guess that I, I didn't think it was boring to look at. I thought it looked really good for the time. Certain aesthetics, and, certain aesthetics. Yeah. And the design, but. I, I really, really appreciated a lot of the design elements. I think, I think overall, like the way it looked was great. It just has kind of a, a weak story that didn't, I didn't care <laughs> about any of the characters. Yeah. I didn't have maybe the story just made it boring to look at i mean it could have it's very possible when you don't care about any of the characters and what they're doing it's it's makes it hard to to enjoy i guess the one thing i really like though was that bit oh yes yes no (laughs) no no and that's just it like the idea is super cool yeah the the world and the design and the building the bits were fucking adorable the whole thing all of those pieces to it were just so well done which makes the fact that the story is so mediocre so much more <clears throat> so much more noticeable sound like you're about to sound like you're about to cry right there i was i'm just oh, i'm so worked <laughs> up <laughs> i'm just so i'm just so emotional just start fanning yourself <laughs> it's going to be okay it's going to be okay <laughs> it's going to be okay ryan we'll get through this <laughs> but, but like it's just there's there's so many amazing things and so much effort and time and work put into making it look good and 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 to have it fall so flat and 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 have it all be just because of the story. Yeah. I I just I don't want to say that it's a Disney thing because I don't know that it's a Disney thing, but it just there's so many pieces of it that just feel so Disney and and to me, those parts are what make it make it fall even flatter because you can feel that there's no depth or 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 substance. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there was <laughs> just like a, a random thought that I had while I was watching this was there was that part where that guy's like, "Hey." hey ryan do you think i could have some of your popcorn that part (laughs) it wasn't it was it was alan for some reason i thought that was gonna play a bigger role and it didn't (laughs) i don't know what the purpose of that was i don't know either that's why i thought i'm like oh like maybe popcorn's gonna come into play like later or something and nothing ever happened of it i was just like it was such a weird throwaway line that almost seemed like it had something like it was gonna it was going to come back later on. It's like, okay, what's this guy's like thing with popcorn? Like maybe he would have thrown it into the laser or something and disintegrated it. And then like <laughs> Flynn's like, I can get back to reality. 
Mom's spaghetti. That that cubicle room was super cool. Like it made me think of the trial a lot. It was. And and like also the design of of Mr. Dillinger's office and like the hall mm-hmm. to his office. Like it's it was so gray and colorless and sharp and austere mm-hmm. and like I don't know. It just felt really um yeah really dystopian. I guess, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I liked I liked Flynn's arcade too. I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. It reminded me of the arcade in RoboCop too when he walks in and he's like, "Isn't this a school day?" And then all the kids start throwing popcorn at him. I haven't seen RoboCop too. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, that's oh. what it reminded me of when I first saw it. <laughs> well, I just pictured RoboCop walking in there and kids throwing popcorn at him. I'll have to take your word for it. There was also something cool about that office part i don't i don't know if you see it right there but there's one point where he goes into his cubicle where you see like a a little um little sign sign thing or something that's got those (laughs) nicto yeah so i looked it up because i was super curious and i had no idea what it was yeah um and it turns out it's a reference to a 1951 movie called The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. And it's... Uh, With Keanu Reeves, right? No, I'm just kidding. I know what <clears> you're <throat> talking about. <laughs> <clears throat> there was a version of the movie made later that I think had Keanu Reeves. Or was mm-hmm. it Nicolas Cage? Yeah. No, no, it was, was Keanu a, Reeves. Yeah. But <laughs> so it, it, it's <laughs> what he's supposed to say, a character in that movie is supposed to say it to like bring bring another character back to life and prevent the apocalypse essentially or something. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't seen the original, but some fun facts about that, that I found in the process of looking up is some of those words. So that like Klaatu, Barada and Nikto are the names of Jabba's guards on the skiff in return of the Jedi as well. Oh really? (laughs) That's that's awesome. (laughs) At least according to the sources I found on Reddit, which is a hundred percent reliable. Yeah. Um, they're also the words that Ash is supposed to say to the army of darkness in the final. Yeah. uh, Yeah. In the cemetery. And then he can't remember the words. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciated that. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that reference and how pervasive that has been in other parts of the genre as well. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Cause I, I recognized it and I, I remembered it was from army of darkness, but I couldn't remember what army of darkness was referencing. And I was like, fuck. And then I read your notes and I was like, Oh yeah, the day the earth was still, I haven't seen the original, but I've heard about it. I haven't either, but I have heard good things. And I watched the Keanu Reeves version. Cause it, if there's a Keanu Reeves movie, I've probably seen it. <laughs> because i love him so much <sighs> one of <laughs> this this is another random thought that i had when they were using that uh disintegrating machine for the first time or whatever it was yeah the laser the, thing yeah the laser and they did it to the orange all i could picture was like a like if they were to bring it back into integration that it was com- that it would come back as like some deformed Cronenberg creature and then they would just have to put it out of its misery. I, I would have loved that. That would have been great. It's an entirely different movie, <laughs> but it would have been great. Yeah, but imagine if they mix that with Tron. It would have made Tron a more interesting film. What if what if those creatures got loose inside of the system? Oh my god. Re- it doesn't make any sense, but no, whatever. not at all. I love it though. <laughs> yeah, um, there was another thing too. You ever hear of a sport called high lie before? High lie? Yeah. No. Okay, so the the very first thing that they play, like high lie, I don't know the rules of it, but you basically have one of those big 
those big scoops and then you can like fucking hurl balls at like crazy crazy velocities and stuff like it was one of the fastest sports okay i i don't know where it comes from or anything but the first time i saw it was on jackass when it was on mtv and they were throwing oranges at uh johnny knoxville and steve-o but um the first thing that they played like whether they had those big scoops attached to their arms and they were throwing those those balls and shit around and like whatever but i was just like i was like oh it's like cyber highlight because i think around the time highlight was popular i think was around the time tron came out too so they're probably like oh man imagine computers but with highlight oh my god imagine computers but with motorbikes Oh, yeah. Yo, those, I don't know if they, because I haven't seen Tron Legacy, but they were explaining, like, their original concept for the light cycles where the, the person using it would, like, become the bike. Did they do that in Tron Legacy? No. No, they they, oh, they, they stuck to the original design. Tron Legacy is actually a sequel. Yeah. Also, why is Jeff Bridges evil in the sequel? What's up with that? He's not. Oh. I thought he was. Do you want me to spoil it? Yeah, because I've always been kind of curious about that. Okay, well, <laughs> so. I mean, it's it's a major plot point, but it comes up pretty early in the, in the movie. Essentially, the idea is that Clue, you remember Clue, the program that he made yeah. in this one? Well, Clue, he remakes it again, but makes it better and makes it look like himself. Oh. So the villain of Tron Legacy is Clue, but it looks like him. Oh, I see. So there's two Jeff Bridges. There's old Jeff Bridges and then young Jeff Bridges. Right. <laughs> wasn't he like, wasn't, didn't it look really weird when he was de-aged too? <sighs> yes. Now, okay, so here's the thing. He had that Hollywood face. To hit that tangent a little bit, there's, I don't, I, I was having a really hard time telling how much of the de-aged Jeff Bridges was was him being de-aged or like it reminded me of <laughs> Kurt the, Russell. the face effects of Grandma Rogue Tarkin One. from Rogue One. Like that's the kind of vibes I was getting when I watched it. Uh, so I don't know exactly how they pulled it off, but thankfully for a lot of the movie, he wears a helmet. So, oh, okay. And so when you do see him, <laughs> he's got helmets on a lot. And when he does, so the only time it's really uncomfortable is when his hair is blowing in the wind and you're like, mm, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. He, he takes it off and it's like one of those hair commercials. <laughs> just just like whoosh. plumes out in the wind. <laughs> Tony Stark built this in a cave <laughs> with a box of scraps. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, though. To, to not to go on like a big tangent about Tron Legacy here or anything, but I yeah. I think it's a better movie. I kind of believe you. It's got a better story. It's got better acting. I mean, obviously it has better effects. We're not going to count that though because yeah. of the, you know the thirty fucking years between the two. Well, the only thing I would say about the effects that I could just say about Tron Legacy, just from the trailers that I've seen and like the pieces of it that I've seen, is it doesn't hurt your eyes the way the original did for True. me. Anyways, it does not. I don't know. It does I, not I, physically hurt me. <laughs> I really, I really liked Legacy. I thought it was a really good movie. It, it, the soundtrack is phenomenal. The acting is phenomenal. The story actually kind of makes sense. Now, there's also a TV <laughs> show that I haven't seen called Tron Uprising, which is supposed to take place in between the two. Oh, okay. 
which it's an animated, you know, you know, you know animated kids Disney show kind of thing. Right. Um, so I, I, I assume it, it bridges the gap and explains how we get from where we were to where we end up in, in Legacy. Uh, okay, that's cool. I think that if you are interested at all, you should definitely watch Legacy. It's a better movie. Yeah, I, I'm. the one thing I will say about this movie is it made me, because I've never really had a massive interest in Tron. Yeah. Even when the new one came out, I was like, yeah, it looks cool, but I don't know. It doesn't really look like my cup of tea or whatever. But after watching this one, I do want to see what Tron Legacy is about. Cause I like one of the reasons I also haven't seen it is just cause I heard it wasn't very good. I liked so it. I was just, yeah. But like, I'm curious about it now. Like at least the one thing that Tron did for me is it at least made me curious about the sequel. There you, you know? go. So I think that's, that says something. Also, why was Pac-Man in this? Um, great question. <laughs> I don't know what why they had him there or what he was doing, but Pac-Man was on that big screen and it looked like maybe he was a guardian or something. I don't know what the fuck he was doing there, but it's like you, you mean on the on the display when they were hunting him through the through the yeah. Kit, that, so I think. I think that what that was was that was supposed to be a map of the land with all those tunnels being the tunnels that they were going through. And, <laughs> and they that just Pac-Man, used things, something from Pac-Man. <laughs> and that Pac-Man was, was either the, the tank armada that was going after them or it was them themselves, the people they were trying to chase down. And that they maybe oh, just, you know, the computer had that <laughs> asset built into it. So that was the asset that got <laughs> projected. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> at first, like, even when I saw it, and I don't know why this, like, came to my mind, but I almost thought he was playing it for some reason at first. I mean... <laughs> like, for, like, a split second, I'm like, is he playing Pac-Man? And I was like, oh, no, it, it serves a purpose that I don't know. I wish he would have been playing it. That would have been way better. <laughs> But it, it was kind of it was kind of a cool touch that it was it, you know yeah. they're like how would this look oh well you know it would be Pac Man and I'm like yeah, yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah, actually that does make a lot of sense <laughs> also I think I briefly touched on the sound effects in this movie I don't know but like the sound of because when you look at the light cycles basically as far as I understand when they said they were making this the light cycles weren't actually moving. It was basically everything around them that was moving. I, I would imagine for the most part, yes. That seems to make sense, right? Yes. Th- there was some instances, I think, where it, do- where it wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But um, the one thing, because as we discussed before, like the, the actual animation, at least for me, was pretty boring to look at. You're basically just looking at a lot of squares and stuff, and it was just... For me, it was pretty boring to look at, but the one thing that I think helped the light cycles and like all the action and stuff was the sound effects. They sounded like real motorcycles, but they had this like video game kind of tinge to them, I guess. And the the sound effects really helped it give a bigger sense of danger and stuff because it did sound like they were moving at speed. Yeah, like at the speed of cyberspace basically <laughs> no right? yeah for sure i i think as a whole the sound in the in the movie was quite well done yeah you know all of the the video gamey sort of sound effects even mm-hmm. even the soundtrack i i have mixed feelings about the soundtrack it was okay <laughs> i know what they were going for and they nailed yeah. what they were going for which was arcade 
style video game soundtrack but it just hasn't aged well i don't think (laughs) yeah you know so like someone like you or i who doesn't have this nostalgic sort of connection or this sort of you know filter over it yeah it doesn't it doesn't really do much for us whereas the soundtrack to tron legacy on the other hand oh man (laughs) i'm pretty sure i've heard some stuff from tron legacy daft punk destroyed that soundtrack so good yeah daft punk yeah but there was there was one part in particular that i wanted to talk about with the sound effects that really made me laugh when i saw it it was when when finn or flynn snuck up behind that guard and punched him and it made like an echoey video game sound and i don't know if it was meant to be funny or not but that part like had me laughing for some reason i i think it was i think it was meant to be funny and i i I say that (laughs) because the sound effect really really sold that for me i i say that because of one particular thing the quote now that is a big door right that point where the door (laughs) keeps opening and opening and it's like fucking 15 million feet thick and they're like oh that's a big door (laughs) yeah you know that that's that's kind of the humor of the movie it's Mm -hmm. trying to be serious with moments of silly humor like that so i think that that sound effect is probably intentionally funny it was it kind of reminded me of that joke or statement that jeff goldblum made in jurassic park when he's like that is one big pile of shit it's like (laughs) yes it is a big pile of shit and it is a big door (laughs) correct thank you for stating the obvious sir that's very kind of you that's a lot of fish there was a quote that i heard and i don't they didn't say who was quoted saying it. It was in the special features. It was probably somebody who worked on the movie, and it was probably one of the effects guys who was in those special features. But the the quote is, Hollywood creates the dream, and then we, talking about NASA, take that dream and try to make it a reality, which I thought was super, super interesting because it's very true, uh, but it, it applies very much to to this i mean the the movie is essentially a a virtual reality setup Mm -hmm. you know and now we have virtual reality that was a total topic change but i just sort of thought of it that was like one of the sense because even in uh uh, what's his name's office he has that touch screen and i was like did tron come up with the concept of touch screens obviously well not obviously but to me that probably been talked about for so long but just i don't know it just looked like a touchscreen. There was something that they did where it just legitimately looked like a touchscreen. Well, that's because it was. Was it a real touchscreen, though? No, probably not. Yeah, so, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, (laughs) you know, this guy essentially just had a big iPad as a desk. Basically, yeah. His his desk was a big tablet, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know, I liked it. It looked pretty legit. You should be able to get skins or, like, themes, Tron themes for keyboards and stuff on your computer. That'd be cool. That'd be super cool. Oh, I, I guess I, I, uh, I talked about this, but the game, Tron, is actually based off of the movie, not the other yeah, way around. Yeah, and I thought it was. I thought Tron came out before, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna jump on this real quick. But uh, even though, like, we're talking about video game adaptations, but I think it kind of it works the same way for movies being adapted to games because most, more often than not, they're really shitty. The best one I can think of is Spider-Man 2. That was the best movie adaptation game, in my opinion. And the the cool thing with Tron, just because it's it's such an old concept, is because we were talking before and I was I was saying like the the white bikes were about like kind of like this some game I played on Atari a few years ago. 
if you make a movie on a game like that and give people something to think about while they're playing the game, you could add like a new a new layer to it. It's just like I'm like in the program and I'm like fighting for the the, the freedom of the programs and whatever. Yeah. You know? Like I don't know. It just it adds like a different layer, I guess, to such a basic kind of game. And you kind of like I I don't know for sure if this is true. But based on the information that is available to me, I would imagine that it was planned out this way, that they intentionally made the movie with the idea that they would be able to go transmedia with a game. Mm -hmm. Because the game came out the same year as the movie. They released the arcade game, which had four sub-games, which were all, or a lot of them were represented in the movie. Came out the same year. They sold 800 of the, the machines in 1982 alone wow which is pretty fucking impressive mm -hmm. also won best coin operated game of the year by the electronic games magazine and was one of the higher selling coin operated arcade games and then they made a sequel called discs of tron which is like the disc game that they play right uh, but you jump between like three platforms or something too, and it, that one didn't do very well. But the original release of Tron the game in that year was super successful, more so than the movie was. So I think that that in and of itself kind of I wouldn't say it validates, but it it makes it it makes sense with our game adaptation type things that the game was successful and the movie was not as successful. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of. Uh... It reminds me of Spaceballs. I don't know if you've ever seen Spaceballs before. He's like, merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> Drawing the coloring book. Drawing the video game. Drawing the flamethrower. It's what they do, man. It's how you make money off that shit. Honestly, well, I think it makes more sense to make a game than a movie. That's the reason that Star Wars, not Star Wars, but George Lucas is so rich. Merchandise. The entire reason, yeah, because yep. he helped, <laughs> he, unlike most other independent filmmakers, when he got the thing funded, he held on to the merchandising rights, the toy rights, the, the extra stuff. And because he held on to it, he was able to sell Star Wars to Disney for, what was it, $5 billion? Something like that, yeah, pretty close. I'm pretty anyway. sure it was $5 billion they bought it for. Yeah merchandising is the way in this business man as cool as like some of the designs are in this movie they uh, there were some really weird ones that guardian thing where it was just a guy's head and hands poking out of that cardboard thing yeah i'm not sure what because then he comes out after and he's just a person anyways yeah so i don't know if he like <laughs> i don't know there was something really weird about that and i honestly just felt like screaming when i first saw it i was just like what the hell is that it's so weird it's just like this it looked like something out of Egypt, but with an old man's face and hands sticking out of it. It was the weirdest thing. Just the costumes in general looked kind of weird. It was also the same design as the MCP core, too. I don't know if you caught oh, that okay. at the end there, but when it no. spun down, at the very end when they killed it, it was there was a spinning like piece that looked the same with a face in it, and then the guy who had his head in oh, there just like yeah. pulled his head yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, so they were connected in that they must have both been made of the same thing or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, that, know. That was just super weird. I was just like, this. it just threw me off guard. I just wasn't expecting that. No, I, I definitely wasn't either. And 
even for a Disney movie, there is one part in it that was actually kind of surprised me by like, just, I don't know, I guess how much violence was actually like insinuated, I guess, is when he took the top of that dude's head off, like just kind of scraped away. And then you just see all like the, the red pixels fall out of him. I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty fucking hardcore for a Disney movie. But he's not a human. He's a program, so it's yeah, okay. exactly. But you know the the you know it was very suggestive. We'll say that. I was like, yes. damn, that was awesome. <laughs> that, that was definitely a, a a modicum of of violent. But there was no blood, and he's not a human. So I guess it's I guess it's yeah, fine. It, it works. Yeah, it's like make a Transformers movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to get on to talking about a bit about the CG stuff, because I think at the end of the day, like I said before, the movies overall is pretty weak because of its story and its characters. I mean, the characters are not the weakest part about it, but the effects and the computer generated images and all that kind of stuff. Like I know you said they gave you a headache, but they were completely groundbreaking for the time. Yeah. And the amount of work that would have had to be done to do that so like first of all sid mead who is the conceptual lead and one of the designers worked on both blade runner movies and short circuit as well uh so he was and he was involved with the design of the light cycle i don't know if it was necessarily his idea to do the like lobster piece merging with the bike thing but yeah so the, the bikes were one of his big designs but there was four companies that they contracted out to to make this thing, which already seems like a huge workload because you've got four different companies, which at the time, everybody's using different systems. Everybody's got a different pipeline. Everybody's got different capabilities. Mm-hmm. And you're trying different to merge and everything else. all of these different things together into one and somehow making it look completely homogenous is quite impressive. And you were talking before about uh, how it's very the, the the effects of it felt kind of boring to you. It was very like gridded and yeah, like it's basically polygons. Yeah, and 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 that's and some of them didn't even have that capability either to create polygons. It was all I can't remember how they did it, but I think he said like there were some computers that they that some of these companies had that weren't capable of doing polygons or something like only one or two of them were capable of that. There were essentially, there were two companies that did the, the primary design work for the actual animated sequences. There was Magi Synthavision, uh, and they, their system was designed and set up to do simple objects. So they would create shapes that were solid objects that would then be pieced together. So like the, the light cycles, um, recognizers and tanks being the big ones. They just used solid objects, merged them together, and then did that. They weren't capable of doing more complicated designs, which is where Triple I was contracted, and they did they did the poly- polygons. So they basically did wire meshes that allowed for more complicated structures and shapes mm-hmm. and things like that. But they aren't solid objects. They're they're essentially wire mesh structures, and then. For both of these groups, when they were putting them together, I was mind blown when the guy was talking about. It. He was saying that because for four seconds of footage, you're talking that's essentially a hundred frames per in four seconds, and for each set of 
100, uh, 100 frames, there were 600 numbers that would represent like the positioning of where each object was. And this is, this is, you were saying that the, the back, the light cycles weren't moving. I'm not sure. Yeah. They, I remember they, they, they said, and I'm going to use some of the very little experience that I have with blender, but they were basically having to put coordinates in to say like, okay, so this will be here on, on the X, Y, and Z axis on frame, whatever. And then it'll be here on frame 62 on the X, Y, and Z axis, and they'd have to like type all those in, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're essentially like hand hand typing because they would have to calculate all those <laughs> numbers, all 600 numbers yeah. for every four seconds. And then those numbers would be printed off in these like detail lists that would be sent to the computer guys who would then do all of the work. And and the, the computer techs had never done film before. So they weren't they had no idea how the process, that process worked. It was all mathematical, which is why I found it interesting that you were talking about grids and, and graph stuff mm -hmm. earlier is because it, it yeah. that's totally what it was. It was all just math to them. You know, at the end of the day, they're just programming algorithms and calculations and stuff that later turned out on screen to be, to be an image, you know, but they couldn't even watch the movement in the program, they would have to calculate it out, print the scenes out onto 70 millimeter film, and then watch it. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a scary thought. So, like, the, the process would have been so painful to go through. And then they were talking about how I, the one who, the company who was making those the complicated polygon meshes, had one primary output computer that was 15 feet by 8 feet in size. And that computer was the output for everything for the movie, and it was constantly breaking. The, the, the guy was saying, like, all you had to do was walk into the room and walk past it with the wrong fabric, and it would, like, it would glitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and if, the, if the computer, like, actually shit the bed and wasn't functioning, like, they just wouldn't have been able to make the movie. And now, like, a computer that was that big back in the 80s, you could, like, I think... I think the director said that like now you have the same computing power in your phone or more computing, more computing power in your phone than those massive fucking computers had. Like you'd have to keep them in cold storage and, you know, they have like tape running through them, like all this like weird shit. Despite how how boring I found the movie to look at, there were some really cool things that they did. Like I like the animation of those bugs. Yeah. That was really cool. I like Even though they were completely pointless. I like the light cycles. I like the um oh what the hell? That big thing that he was flying, what the hell are those called? The uh uh recognizers. The recognizers, yeah. I like that that one scene where he was flying through the canyon and the the sh like the recognizer was like splitting into different sections and stuff as it was going and it was slowly coming apart i thought that was really cool it was there was, there was a lot yeah. of really really great stuff that they did technically yeah and when you consider like that they were doing that and then they were also having to type all that stuff out by hand and they didn't even know on whether or not it was working or not you know and and like the like the amount of effort into even the scenes that weren't cg like when they shot all of those uh the more live action sequences where they basically had people in stages of duvetine, which is black fabric, <laughs> yeah. walking around in these like black, uh, just with nothing there and then wearing dark clothes and then having to like 
the the effects people having to go in and compass it afterwards they they had like at least five different exposure levels for for a lot of those scenes they because they'd have to do your your body color exposure so exposure for just the clothes and then exposure for the face and then exposure for the circuit so they have five different layers of effects on some of them and the, the, the guy was saying that on some of them they were 30 30 exposure layers per shot for just to make those live action effects happen with all the the glowing suits and yeah. things like it was just and then after all of that they weren't even nominated for an award for special effects <laughs> yeah because they thought it was the academy said it was cheating basically because they used a computer it's like yo fuck you yeah yeah it's i i mean i i i get it you know it's it's at a time when computers were not considered a part of the the business and they yeah, weren't considered part yeah. of uh the process or anything like that but, but now C- cg cg people like bow down in front of this movie hmm <laughs> You you made this happen. They they we're did. They were they were the they were the first. Almost everything they did had never been done before. They were making it up as they went along in so many ways. Like there's over 20 minutes of 100% computer generated graphics. Mm-hmm. And and if we're talking that's 600 numbers per 4 seconds times like fill that into 20 minutes. I'm not going to do the math. Like that's a lot of fucking numbers. <laughs> Like, no yeah. thanks. And then matte paintings, hand-drawn animations, rotoscoping. Like, the amount of technical mastery and effort and design that went into making this, you know. And it's just a shame that their story doesn't hold up, I guess. Yeah. Tron. The movie that gives me a ment- uh, headache fucking physically and mentally. <laughs> just thinking about that, just... <laughs> I feel it coming on again, man. <laughs> oh, God. Here, quick, change the subject. <laughs> so, anyways, have you heard about... Uh... <laughs> but overall, I... Uh... It was a little boring. It was really nice to look at, I thought. I'm sorry that you didn't think so. I mean, there the the actual design aspects I thought were really cool. Like I liked the way the suits looked, although they were just like tight suits with some hockey pads and, and stuff on it. But <laughs> the way they painted everything on and like certain design aspects of it, I really liked. It was just it was mostly just the I don't know. There was like some weird flicker thing going on, or there was like the colors. I don't know what it was, but. The one scene I thought was really cool is when he transitions into the system. Yes. That was really cool and trippy, and I was just like... They did that through uh, vector graphic computers, taking all of those lines and shooting them and reshooting them and reshooting them with different colored filters, and then with a bipack mag on the camera, which, if you don't know what that is, that's a magazine that runs two reels of film through the gate at the same time. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that. And they shot it through that way with a variety of color filters and layered it all together to create shapes out of these vector graphic lines that they had made in the computer. It reminded me of 2001 A Space Odyssey, just more cyberpunky, I guess. There's also, there's a metaphor. I think this will be my final thought on this. There's a metaphor here to a free internet 
to uh, net neutrality before anybody had talked about it at all. Tron was already talking about right. net neutrality yeah. and how we got to fight the the big companies that are controlling the internet freedom and and take it back for the good of humanity. Yeah. Even though that had never existed before. That we were we were they were fighting for something before it was even a problem. <laughs> Tron was ahead of its time, man. It 100% <laughs> was. I, I honestly, I think that's why it did better later, you know? It, it didn't do well because people weren't ready for it. And Tron was just sitting in the corner. You just don't get us, man. Also, uh, Jeff Bridges in, uh, in Tron Legacy, he has... <laughs> I don't know if this is written into his script or not, but he every now and again, he'll have these moments where he just says man in that, like... <laughs> that jeff bridges way and it doesn't make like, any like sense of his character <laughs> yes like the dude and it doesn't make any sense of his character but he'll just be like talking because in in legacy his son is like the the protagonist yeah I guess. yeah and so he'll be talking to his son and then at the end of it he'll just say man to be like hey jeff you remember when you played the dude i think you should try to work that into tron a little bit he's like fine man I, I i like to imagine that maybe maybe he just can't stop anymore that that's <laughs> yeah. just how he talks now and he tries so hard but he comes on set and every now and again it comes through and he just ends with man and they're like well it works whatever it's fine <laughs> <laughs> just don't worry about it man trying to be fine man <laughs> <laughs> he's like sitting his, his kid's like five and he's reading him a story and he says this thing and he's like man and you're like oh God. good night moon man <laughs> Good night, star, man. <laughs> oh, my God. And this little piggy, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I'm doing it. It's uh, uh, contagious, I'll tell you what. I'd probably never go back to Tron. But, I mean, I wouldn't... If you gave me, like, ten years or more to watch it again, I probably would. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched the first one twice now, and I probably wouldn't watch it again. I watched Tron Legacy twice. I liked it way more. I still don't know if I'd watch it again, yeah. but like I liked it way more. But I like the world enough that I would consider thinking about checking out the TV show. Yeah. I would at least think about how it exists and maybe I might want to look at it sometime and add it to my list on Disney Plus or whatever and then just never go back to it or something. Tron's, Tron, I think, is something that needs to be unpacked quite a bit it's it's one of those folders that sits in your computer and it's a zip file and then if you unzip <laughs> it it's just massive <laughs> and one thing that legacy did a lot better is that it didn't try to explain a whole bunch of stuff or at least i didn't think it did like it, it definitely tried to explain some things it for just, sure it just was for the most part it with the gap between the movies it, they definitely did like a a little built-in recap kind of thing sure. um that didn't fall completely flat but it wasn't the most amazing part but you gotta do you gotta do sometimes yeah but, like it, it wasn't overly explanatory it just kind of it had its moments sure well thank you guys so much for listening we'll be continuing our video game conver video game adaptation conversation next time as always this, uh, this podcast contains spoilers, so if you don't want Tron or Tron Legacy spoiled for you, go check out the movie before you listen to this podcast. 
until next time thanks so much bye man Bye.